It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is that a beast on your teacup? Episode 257 of the 20 Minute Tim's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm joined by Melly. Yes. And Stephen. A delight to be here, gentlemen. Oh, I, I'm sure we can all agree. I just cannot wait to get stuck in. And what a terrible, horrible, disappointing season finale that was. No, I'm not talking about Line of Duty. Arf, arf, arf. Oh, uh, um, bit of satire, satire on the pod again. Snuck that in there. Um, yeah, that was appalling and abysmal and I just want to get start the show with a bit of a, a public service announcement a little PSA here D- do you realise now do you understand how pish we are now <laughs> there cannot be anyone listening to this podcast with the slightest crumb of an idea still in their brain that we are quotes on our day the better team <sighs> we're, we are shit we are terrible <laughs> this is a football team who chucked it and not just the team but the entire club chucked it months ago. And it right. took us a long time to realise, Stephen. Took me the longest time to realise. But there was live preview show that we do. You said that for the first time, I think, all season, I didn't think Celtic could get a win. I mean, I, th- I, said, I thought Rangers would run over 2-0. I thought they would make light work of that game. I didn't expect them to make such light work of it, though. No, and, and you're right, you are you're the last of us to have completely given up on this. I have to give you that credit. Well, you know, and it is credit because I'm not going to apologise for us ever being overly positive about what's going on at Celtic. Some people make accusers of being deluded, but we like to take take the rough of the smooth, yes, but we, we like to try and be positive where possible. And you were the last of us, you were the last of us on the, the preview shows that we did, or we do rather, before every game, telling us, no, we're wrong to be so downbeat on the chances of Celtic this season. But it's finally got you. The black cloud has finally claimed you. And mm. <laughs> that that's that's it, really. Um, once again, we find ourselves in a situation, much like we have done on a number of occasions this, this season with our podcast, is that we have set stunningly low expectations for this Celtic team and they have failed to live up to them. It's, it's honestly incredible that we were talking months ago about things like rock bottom and I said no I don't think we've reached it yet uh, I, th- I thought we did after we'd, we'd uh, mm-hmm. gone out of basically every tournament going every competition going by you know, effectively January or every the first or second round of everything we entered but now 
what we were left with, and Melly, I haven't teed you up for this at all, but what did you ask for before that game? Don't get pumped. Just don't, don't get, get pumped. pumped. That was it. That's what we asked for. We didn't even ask it to draw. <laughs> Never mind when. We just basically pleaded for it to not turn into a complete and utter embarrassment. And lo and behold, it did. So that's it. That, that's the final nail in the coffin. Uh, the final, it was basically destined to happen, wasn't it? It was, it was much, destined much to happen. We were like, going yeah, to be on the end of one like of those. Much like your girlfriend is away in a hen party to Ibiza, on her way on the, out the door, you say, don't get pumped. And that was <laughs> that was the message that we sent to Celtic. Uh, oh, satire and a bit of blue humour now as well. Gonna... A wee blue joke for the dads there, you know. Um, but it's, it is, Stephen, as you say, I think you you tweeted it for the official account, our official account, not the Celtic Twitter account, official account. Imagine we had control of that. <laughs> oh my days. Um, every time you think Celtic have hit rock bottom, they do keep finding new and surprising ways to disappoint you. And that's that's what happened to me yesterday. Now, the problems for yesterday, as we've touched on after every poor Celtic performance, happened months ago. Happened with the recruitment. We don't need to go into it. Everybody that listens to this podcast and watch Celtic's performance this season knows the issues Celtic have had with recruitment. But after watching that yesterday, I firmly believe the reason Neil Lennon wasn't sacked sooner wasn't because the club were loyal to him and they desperately thought he could turn it around. It's because they thought, what's the point? Ah, well, fucked it anyway. What's the mm. point? We're, get 12 million in for Jeremy Frimpong. Will we spend any time getting a proper right back in? Nah, what's the point? James Forrest has been injured. January transfer window. Should we get a winger out and replace him? Nah, what's the point? Oh, Christopher Julian's out for a season. Should we maybe go out and buy a, a centre-half to come in and replace him? Duffy's not playing well. Or we can bring that boy back for Morton. He's not very good, but we'll give him a chance. Aye, what's the point? That's that's been the message for Celtic for months now. What's the point? And see when that team came out and Callum McGregor gets sent off and we'll talk about that. But I've seen Celtic go down to 10 men at Ibrox come back and win. Really? Yep. Yesterday, when we go down to 10 men, ach, what's the point? Let's just get over and done with. That's that's the vibe I'm getting for this whole team now. And if you if you look at it through that lens, if you look at it through the lens of ach, what's the point? A lot of these bad decisions start to make sense. A lot of these bad decisions going back months and months start to make sense when you look at this team and you look at this club and you go, they actually chucked it back in December. They knew there was no way back for them. Yeah, probably January actually when we had the whole COVID episode and after Dubai and we just threw those games, it was three games in a row we didn't win. It was over then even after the Ibrooks game. So yeah, what was the point? And that's no fair because we still went out and paid our money at the start of the season. We are still going to watch these games to the end of the season. And that's what we get served up yesterday. We've had a go at everybody at the club, board included, but again, management as well. But again, the players yesterday, absolutely Appalling. pathetic, man. Yeah. And look, I know everybody's going on about this big rebuild and how Celtic need to get rid of players. And I'm just at the point like that, good, because I don't want any of them there next season anymore. Even the ones you think, oh, they'll be there next season. I couldn't really care less. And Stephen said, all I asked was not to get pumped. But do you know what? It got to 90 minutes and then Defoe scored and it was 4-1. But I was still relieved. I thought, at least that's not as bad as it could have been because oh, I yeah. think we could have been hit for six or seven if Rangers really wanted to. They changed their tactics up a bit because they knew the team Celtic were going to play and Celtic just couldn't handle it at all. Cal McGregor all over the place. Scott Brown, an embarrassment. Oh my like, you God. could go through every one of them. It was... Absolutely shambolic from them. Absolutely nothing from that team. See, Jamie, what you were saying there about the ah, what's the point attitude? And I yeah. think we've probably got an episode title there before we, before we move too far yeah. on from that. Uh, the, that ah, what's the point attitude speaks to a broader 
attitude. I keep saying the word attitude. Uh, that, Same old. Yeah. This season has become, after a certain point, after a certain point, as we, we could discuss whether it's December, January, February, October even, when Celtic chucked it. It doesn't really matter because they eventually did anyway. When they chucked it, it became an exercise in just please let's get to the end of this season. Let's yeah. just get to the end of the season and everyone will stop being on our case. We can just switch off social media and, and not talk to anyone. But that also feeds into what I was talking about with the expectations. All we wanted from them was to not make an arse of anything between now, the start of May, and the end of May. Just don't make an arse of yourselves. And, it's, and they didn't manage that either. They failed to clear that bar. Just we keep your heads two games in our last six. I, I know, I know, it's staggering. So what does that mean? I've, I don't have it to hand, but I mentioned it last week. That must be, what, 16 wins in 38 now since, we've only, yeah, since October? So, well, we've only won four more games this season than Hibs. <laughs> <laughs> we've drawn more than Hibs, by the way, just just so you know. Uh, 10, we're, isn't we're, it? 10 draws and five defeats now. Yeah, ab- absolutely abysmal. Just, you know, on the, we're on 73 points. Rangers are on 96, right? We'll leave the Rangers stats to Rangers podcast. We're on 73 points. That gives us a maximum out of the next two games of 79, right? And ambitious. that's right, ambitious in itself. That's the worst, the lowest point total since 2012 13 season when we won the league. So that's since 2012. If you want a worst points total before that, you need to go all the way back to 99 2000 when we got 69. Um, yeah, six, 69 points. If you want an indicator of how far this club have fallen, though, just in the last couple of years, the Invincible treble season was 106 points. <laughs> How's that for us? From 106 points to maximum 79 points. Did you season. mention Barnes's season there? Was it 99 2000? You said it was an appalling points tally, just, just going yeah, back there, yeah. That was Barnes. 99 2000 was 69 <laughs> so, points since a second place. As a side issue here, that, that our Discord group, which people have heard us mention before, it's a benefit of the all-in tier on our fine Patreon service. There was a discussion on during, just during the, and slightly after the game about how this is the worst season since Barnes, and sure enough, statistically it probably is. But there was a, I mean, Barnes's team would absolutely, relentlessly smash this team, <laughs> absolutely hammer them. Barnes's team had Viduka and Larson on it, and Moravchik and Berkovic, who was a bit of a was a good player. Petrov, yeah. they would demolish this team, absolutely murder them. Uh, Stubbs and Reaper. Aye. Uh, a couple of guys that could definitely head the ball. Like the, you're, It's difficult to gauge, obviously, just to really have a bit of fun, but going back, looking at like the, the, the worst Celtic team of our lifetimes, TM, that, that John Barnes team. But I honestly, I think this Celtic team, they're obviously an individual players, right? They're, they're they're, they're probably better as individuals across, you know, in some positions. But the attitude, the guts, the courage, the stomach that this team has got is non-existent. Non-existent. And I don't... I, this this would make... What's uh, one of those sports documentaries? The one that saw was on Amazon. What's it called? All or Nothing? All or Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen an All or Nothing about this season oh. because I want to know what happens inside a football club to turn relentless winners into this pile of shit that we're watching this season. <laughs> Because these guys have won everything there is to win. Everything there is to win. And the Scott Brown travelling circus must end now. There is oh, no that, reason for Scotland ever to play for Celtic again. No reason. The problem, and his final hurrah. What are you saying, team, Melly? A team is always a reflection of their leader. Look at the leaders Celtic have had this season. Scott Brown, done. Neil Lennon had to be sacked. And Peter Law leaving at the end of the season. That's the leaders we've had. A team is always a reflection of your leader. So just wipe it out now. Get them all gone. It's, it's done. 
this is why this has happened because we're still relying on a 35 year old in midfield that was sad yesterday uh, from Scott Brown it was just sad to watch um, it didn't need to come to this but ultimately this is the plan all along this was what this whole thing was building towards see the day he signed that two year contract at 34 he was going to play in this season He was everything was about building towards the 10 so it what yes he's playing because there's sort of no one else Sorrow hasn't really established himself so far he'd be playing anyway even if there was somebody else Scott Brown would have been playing and he would have been turning in these performances and it it, sh- it just shouldn't have turned into this ball of cloying sentimentality that the club has been yeah. this year it's just it's ridiculous I know everyone going into this would have thought it was going to be a fairy tale ending but those don't happen often in football Melly you've been saying it all along you very rarely get to ride off into the sunset and everyone's happily ever after and that was the worst possible ending to Scott Brown's Celtic career, I can imagine. Not only chasing was it... shadows. Yeah, Chase, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, that was the the archetypal chasing shadows yesterday. It was it was mortifying to watch. And I'm talking about before, even before Callum McGregor gets sent off, Stephen. It was mortifying. He can't change direction anymore, Scott Brown. He can't. I mean, he's he's a fit guy. He's a very fit guy for for 35. Um, just about to turn 36. Extremely fit. But the truth is that it's the agility that goes. And watching mm. him run fully in the opposite direction to where the ball has gone, two games in a row against them. Ryan Kent did it to him in the last one. Every step over that Ryan Kent does, Scott Brown just goes the opposite direction, and Ryan Kent runs through. The one with Davis where he just faked that he was going to take a touch. Scott Brown ran in the opposite direction and, Scott, and Davis just walked past him. It's, it can't it can't change direction anymore. And I, I began by saying that this is just sad to see because it is. And it's just, it's very unfortunate to see him go out like that. But I don't want to be one of these guys who said that. I, I called it, I saw it coming. But I said the day he signed a two-year contract that it was crazy because football clubs don't do that. They don't give 34-year-olds two-year contracts. He could still have been here. But what you do is you offer one-year contracts after that and then see how it's going. I, th- I think a two-year contract was crazy and it was all about, oh, just get him to the 10 because he deserves it. He deserves this. Neil Lennon needs a treble. It's the same attitude. It's, yeah. it's all this stuff that we were trying to get individuals, their send-offs. And it just it just hasn't worked. The, the, seeing him chasing Ryan Kent about and getting nutbegged by Alfredo Morelos and all that, it was just, the Huns have been lapping it up, obviously, because, you know, we've kind of all walked into that, like Scott Brown has been lording it over them for years, and that, that doesn't go away just because his last couple of performances against them were terrible, but we've kind of, we kind of need to take our medicine on this because it was it was just horrific to watch. It was, uh, Celtic were showing up yesterday, they were down to 10 men, but the way, the way the game panned out, that is exactly how you play a diamond. Rangers had that diamond formation where Ryan Kent in number 10. Why? Because they knew Scott Brown would play and if they get Ryan Kent in amongst them, as they've seen in the last game at Ibrooks in the league, he's just going to turn them every time and get at the defence and that's what happened again. Rangers diamond worked yesterday because they have the players to play it. They have two fullbacks that caused us absolute... Oh chaos every time they got the ball and put those balls in what do we have when we've got fullbacks in a diamond two absolute pussies at left and right back that can't whip a ball in then you've got your number 10 Ryan Kent absolutely terrorised us and uh, Roof and Morelos ran us ragged Rangers you expected them to play the 4-3-3 but they were aware enough to know Celtic are weak in the middle if we get plenty of bodies in the middle we'll take them apart and they did and it could have been so much more if they wanted that Rangers are they've got a team of units They've got a team of mm. physically impressive guys, and that's another thing that, that we lack from this team. But you were talking about their their fullbacks, Melly. 
James Tavenier was basically getting to our the, the sort of cusp of the final third of the park and having as much time as he wanted to throw crosses in at the box. It was it, I, you're watching it in disbelief. Barisic a, a bit more so, but I was I was watching this game and the tactical mistakes that Celtic were making, and I was just thinking to myself. There's this notion now that, oh, we played the diamond because that's all that the personnel we had and then we brought on Forrest and that allowed us to move to the sort of 4 2 3 one. But there's more formations than this. There's, presumably, you could have played three at the back. You could, if you wanted to play Scott Brown, you could have maybe looked at a Scott Brown and Soro having two sitting at the base so you've got a bit more added protection. We've got players there. And I'm not saying that you just spring a new formation out for this game, but John Kennedy's been sat in the sidelines all season. He must know what works and what doesn't work. And this Scott Brown thing clearly doesn't work. John Joe Kenny at right back clearly doesn't work. But we've played with James Forrest at right wing back before. There's, we have played alternative formations. And it's just another example maybe that John Kennedy's remit here is just nuss it to the end of the season. Do what you can, but it's, it's done. Yeah, I thought, I thought maybe he'd go Phil Rogers and have Ayer at right back instead of Kenny because I don't see what good playing Kenny at all would have done. There's no good no. because he's just, he just cost us in every game. So if you play Ayer there and look, Beaton is not the answer and is never going to be the answer, but if you have Ayer, Beaton, Welsh and Taylor or whoever at left back, then you could go this sort of Rogers with Lustig, Ayer as a Lustig sort with Forrest ahead of him and just have that sort of solidify it but then when you go into the midfield and have a midfield two of Brown and McGregor could we not have went Brown with McGregor and Tumble sitting in front of him could we not have done something different because the whole reason we changed to the back three last season was because this 4-2-3-1 wasn't working against Rangers this team's not remarkably different this Rangers team isn't different to last season couple of players but nothing major I think you know, Ruth was the only one their only new signing that started I think so it, it was the same and as if we thought doing the same thing as last season would that end up differently yes the sending off makes a bit of difference but even when we would go a goal down that I thought 20 minutes in that's the game done because there's no chance this yeah. team are coming back because they simply don't have the ability and they don't have the stomach either you've hit upon something there Millie because I was just thinking there about what Celtic could have done about this and see the, the worst thing of all the, the saddest and most frustrating thing of all is it's probably nothing probably couldn't have done anything about that yesterday we don't have the players for it we don't have the coaching no. nows for it we couldn't have I bet if I was to talk to You've John Kennedy you something there Stephen sorry to interrupt you but and I'll, I'll talk about this but we could have got another manager in, in October <laughs> well I, there is that but even, even at that like if, like see if Ryan Kent is just absolutely terrorising you through the middle of the pitch if I was to talk to John Kennedy in private I, I bet he would say there's nothing I can do about that what am I supposed yeah. to do I've got a 36 year old midfielder chasing him about when was the last time we had a player who turned in a performance like that that Ryan Kent did yesterday? When was the last time? We've had plenty of players over the last few years that have terrorised him, like Dembele and Edward and all that, but I'm talking about a guy who he just simply can't stop. Like a guy who every time he gets the ball, everyone just shits himself. He's skinning people, he's doing stepovers, he's doing wee flicks inside people, just turns in a highlight reel. We've got guys like James Forrest and Ryan Christie in the team who we all started the season claiming they were all better players than Rangers have got. Neither of them have put in anything like that between them. Neither of them have ever turned up in, a, in that manner against Rangers that Ryan Kent did to us yesterday. And not only did he put in a highlight reel, we put out the red carpet for him. Ah, yeah, said, that's what I'm talking about. That's my we, whole we're point. We're going to give you 40 yards of space and the only person we're going to put within 10 yards of you is Scott Brown. Ah. Have, have a ball, mate. Go and enjoy yourself. And it's it's this is what I was talking about, about the frustration about watching this. But you're maybe right, Stephen. Maybe Celtic have realised that there's nothing we can do here. 
there's a responsibility on the coaching staff, I suppose, to come up with solutions to these problems. But see, when Neil Lennon left, I said on the podcast, the human shield is gone now. If this was the problem, it's been removed so that we need to now see something from the players. Since Neil Lennon left, in any of the games since, have any of you two seen anything from any player? Yesterday, here's another question. Did those players look like they left absolutely everything on the pitch yesterday? No, and they, I don't think they've done that all season. It's just pathetic, and they've not got the stomach for it. They've not got they've not got anything within them to go out and do that. As soon as they went down to ten men and a goal down, you just knew it was over. So it was just a case of trying to get through the game, just get to the final whistle and hope it's not an absolute pasting. It's just a pasting. And one guy who we've kind of shielded this season because he's playing alongside Scott Brown is Cal McGregor, but. He's had a terrible season and Aye, yesterday yeah. was just a pathetic from him. He is potentially going to be Celtic captain next season. He's a guy that plays in most games for Celtic. He's meant to be one of our best players. And to let the team down like that yesterday with those, again, it's just passing the buck and not taking responsibility. Flying into challenges when he knows what's going to happen. He knows there's a potential to be booked. To be sent off... At that early in a game, away to your rivals, is absolutely criminal. Just flying in on Kamara when it's not necessary. You, you can't get the ball. Just hold out. And to leave us there with a midfield two of Turnbull and Scott Brown away, any team, never mind the best team in the country, it was a sad state. And we knew we were going to get overrun from that point. And Cal McGregor has to take full responsibility for that. What did you think of the setting off? I know John Kennedy and Scott Brown had their issues about the bookings. I personally, I thought the first one was maybe a bit much, but I thought this, I thought the second one read to the yellow card was fair enough. And Cal McGregor got up and apologised for it to the ref. Yeah. It looked like Cal McGregor kind of acknowledged that he'd made a mistake there. Second one, definitely. I think that that's a definite booking. The first one, ultimately, what's happened there is he's taken out a player who is on the attack. The, the player has passed him. He's just taken him out, just clipped his heels, and he can't go any further. I mean, that's probably. If it's a booking, it's maybe a harsh booking, but it's it's in the ballpark of a booking, to, to be honest. I, I don't know if I'd, I'd look at either one and say they were absolute robbery. With Callum McGregor, I'm glad we've started like this. I'm glad we've started by talking about Callum McGregor and Scott Brown because it's very easy after these results to just turn, turn the fire on the easier targets. And the thing with Callum McGregor and Scott Brown is that, rightly or wrongly, fairly or not, I think it's natural that we, I mean, we're just football fans at the end of the day. That football fans will judge most players based on what they have in the bank with the fans. And Scott Brown and mm -hmm. Callum McGregor have got a lot in there. Whereas, you know, even Tom Rogic, guys like that, Lee Griffiths is another prime example. Away with absolute murder. Away with absolute murder. And it just shows you how far this season has gone, how bad it's got that we've arrived at nothing's left for any of these guys they've not got anything left in the bank they've not got any capital with the fans whatsoever we're now fully focusing not on who they are what they've achieved but what they're playing like and it's absolutely nowhere near good enough including Callum McGregor who's been one of our better players for the last three or four years Scott Brown goes without saying what he's achieved but none of these guys have been good enough and Callum McGregor shouldn't skate on this charge either to, to be honest these guys deserve it as much as anyone does what does John Joe Kenny bring to the Celtic team? Because he was absolutely criticised, pilloried for his performance against Rangers last time, ball watching, switching off. And it's not just that, it was the being afraid to take his man on. And 
it's almost like he got no feedback whatsoever from that game. I don't know if they watched the game back. I assume they do watch the game back. I'll give Celtic that much credit. I don't know what feedback John Joe Kenny's has been given on his Celtic performance recently. But for him to turn in a very similar performance to the one that he turned in already, when he was like a meme, that he was memed. And the amount of times he just shat it. And I've not seen a I have not seen a player play for Celtic as cowardly as John Joe Kenny. We I, see, I want to set the players down at half time. You know what I mean? And the team talk wouldn't be some inspiring, go get them, Al Pacino, chase every inch. The, the team talk would be along the lines of, going to one of you is just fucking help us out. Going to one of you, please, please do something here to show us, the fans sitting outside, that you give a shit. Because we're, look, we're looking at you, Edward. When Celtic went one a man down, for about five minutes, he felt motivated. For about five minutes, he thought, oh, good, this is something different. I'll try and recreate that performance from before. It, it sort of turned out he couldn't be asked. John Joe Kenny's the same. It's Greg Taylor. It's, I'm not going to go through the whole list of players, but I'm looking at John Joe Kenny going, are you not, were you not told nothing? Did you not learn anything? How can you put in an almost identical performance a couple of weeks later? That's the kind of player he is. That is what he is. He's not good at defending. He's not good at attacking. He's just simply not good enough. And it just goes back to January as well. Celtic got rid of two right-backs and brought in one. So they, they only had one right-back which they brought in because Tony Ralston's not an option. If he was, he'd have been in by now. So this is what Celtic get. This is what they get. They're stuck with these below-standard players and they just have to play them at the end of the season and hope we don't get pumped in these sort of games. But we do, because they're not good enough. And when the players aren't good enough and their confidence is low, these are the performances they'll put in. And John Joe Kenny, I said a few weeks ago, I think he's one of the worst, he's probably the worst right-back I've seen at Celtic and I stand by it. Well, then that time Jack Hendry ended up at right-back, was, was it Ibrox he ended up at right-back? Ah, that was a free two game uh, he yeah. was quite good, wasn't he? Jesus. Let's talk about the Rangers' goals then. Um, oh, let's. Yeah. Decent finish for Kemar Roof. Uh, quick on that one, but the ball comes down our right-hand side. Joe Rebo plays a very simple ball to Ryan Kent, who's, by the way, at the edge of the box, completely unmarked. Um, Scott Brown is well late on the scene. This is obviously after the, the, the foul that they let play on from Callum McGregor. And then a wee chip in the box towards Kemar Roof and... He chests it in at the back, and it was—I mean, yeah. I hate to say it, but it was a—it was a well-worked finish, as they might say. It was a clever improvisation in it. It was a decent finish, but again, there's so much space for these guys. Aribo goes yeah. down there, plays it, and he can't. All the space in the world to have a shot, and it was a decent finish. But again, who's taking responsibility for marking these guys closing down the space? Celtic are all over the place defensively, and it's not—it's a decent finish, but they don't tear us apart again. The players are just in far too much space for a team like Celtic to be giving them, and this is what happens. All the goals we concede against them, there's no absolute peach. We think, oh, do you know what? That was a peach. They ripped us apart. They overloaded here, overloaded there. Celtic don't take responsibility in any phase of play from this and that's what they get and we'll see it a bit in the in the second goal but just before the first goal you know he has that shot which McGregor makes the save and then mm. when we see Scott Bain these are the levels aren't they Alan McGregor has made save after save against a poor Celtic team that have kept us out this season and what do we have Keepers that the ball just flies past them at every opportunity. They've just got better players in every position than us, and it really, really showed again yesterday. I mean, you're, you're talking about you're talking about the differences of goalkeepers there, Melly, and it was absolutely stark for the second goal. Obviously, we will talk about the Celtic goal, but the second goal, Stephen, was just it was it was mortifying, mortifying for a number of reasons. Mortifying because it was Alfredo Morelos, Megs, Scott Brown, Christopher Ayer, 
the most important centre half we've got put his body on the line to stop it no correction he turned away from the ball <laughs> uh, and then Scott Bain who just can't save shots beaten at his, at his near post kind of went in above him I suppose a wee bit but he, he did, Bain should have saved that second one it's the, well, it's the tiny details that I like to focus on where these goals happen right and, and what I noticed about that is see when Morelos cuts inside Brown sticks it through his legs it, it's not clean it bobbles off Brown right? Yeah. it bobbles back to him Morelos has to take an awkward touch again to get it kind of out of his feet and nobody's there as you say Ayer finally turns up and turns his back on it but th- there was a moment actually previous to this Ayer didn't turn up I, I, he just oh, yes. happened <laughs> to hit it right at Ayer where Ayer was standing I, and Ayer pay, moved out the way for him very accommodating for, for Christopher Ayer but there, there was a, the reason I mentioned this is because there was a moment prior to this I think it may have been before the first goal but Rangers have got it out on our right much like where the goal came from Someone plays a one-two with Morelos. Morelos knocks it into the midfield and then walks, turns away. Somebody plays it to Morelos. Morelos isn't expecting it. All of a sudden, he's walking away for the ball. He turns and the ball's coming to him. Nobody notices. So they've played a poor ball that Morelos isn't expecting and he's still first to it, despite the fact he wasn't expecting the ball. Brown just stands off him. He could have nicked in, taken it off him. Just doesn't bother. And and that's kind of what happens with this gold. Nobody takes, as Melly says, no one takes any responsibility whatsoever. Before you know it, the ball's been lashed into the roof of the net and Morelos is away doing a celebration for a meme that's about four years old. So he's bringing Salt <laughs> Bay back. That, the the no. final insult. He did it twice as well. He did it twice in the same celebration. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Oh God, the fucking salt basically. <laughs> when see after the ball goes in the back of the net and you look at Christopher Iyer and he's on all fours and you think, why? <laughs> Christopher Iyer, why are you on the ball is in the roof of the net? Why are you making yourself lower to the ground? It's just it's so typical of everything we've been saying about this team about it's maybe the second goal sums up all the f- problems Celtic have had this season. Scott Brown late on the scene. The the left back, the ever left back, nowhere to be seen, can't help out. Christopher Ayer having a terrible time of it ends up in his arse and then Scott Bain fails to save it. Merely, it's in many ways I almost don't care that Morelos scored against us. That happened before, so that 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 doesn't count. But it's another one where you're looking at it going, can nobody step up? Another another goal, another situation where three or four players had the opportunity to take responsibility and none of them could do it. If that's Connor Goldson. He has taken that ball in the face. When, when we scored, right. which nobody's talking about this, by the way, when we scored our goal, Davis is on the goal line. Tra- Davis handled it on the goal line to stop it going in. Now, it still went in the back of the net, but he stuck his arm out and saved it. He probably should have been off for it. It ended up in the back of the net. I don't know the rules. But there's no one... I know you're not supposed to handle it, and that's not really to take responsibility, but I wouldn't have seen a Celtic player doing that anyway. I would have just, you know, our centre half just ducks out the way. No, you said it. Nobody's retaking responsibility, and they, sim- they simply aren't. We've, we've seen it so many times this season. It's just everybody else is passing the buck, looking about as if somebody else will do it. Or remember the last game where Laxalt makes that pathetic attempt to get back after being out of position, and as soon as he gets in the box and the ball's in the net, he sticks his hand up as if, oh, what he's doing. Like, look, everybody's looking at everybody else rather than looking at themselves, and that's been the story of the season. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. 
That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I think the goal, the, the, the worst goal for me, though, to lose was probably the third goal. Just judging by the amount of space that Kema Roof had there, it just comes into this lack of defensive organisation once again. Rangers, uh, you, would, you would think, right, so how did their striker find a lot of space in the box? Did they manage to create a sneaky overload? And yes, Joe Rebo ran into the box, but when they scored it, we had five players in the box to their three. Kema Roof just makes a deep run into the box. Nobody picks him up at all. But to me, this is the probably the worst goal of the ball. Yeah, this is the one where you see Celtic's problems again because it's out in the left-hand side and look, Barisic gets a decent ball in because he's a good player and he can cross a ball, something we'd love in a fullback. But the, the point before that is Roof goes to the edge of the box and plays it out to Barisic. Roof then runs into the box. Turnbull looks over his shoulder, sees him and points to somebody else to take him and he gets into the box and gets a free header. That is just basics again, passing the buck to somebody else to say, oh, can you do it? I can't be bothered chasing him down. He gets a free header because he's running in there with nobody marking him. And if you want to talk about Salt Bay memes, he's doing the crazy frog celebration. <laughs> I mean, how old is that? Is that what that was? I think so. That must oh be 14 God. years old, the, the crazy frog. Oh. That, that's, that's, are they doing this deliberately? Is this the final piss take? They're wheeling out all these memes from the mid-2000s. But yeah, you're right, Millie, that, that goal, Turnbull and Brown are occupying much the same position. They go out to both cover Roof and Turnbull just drifts out to the right back position, presumably to try and help out Kenny because they know what he's like. So he just drifts out and points behind him. So Turnbull has done that just assuming someone else will spot his point as if he's on like a five-a-sides pitch and like you're just like, somebody pick it up. No one does. Brown doesn't bother. He just drifts aimlessly back into the box as well. And by the time he realises that Roof has completely left him, he's like 
just inside the box. He's like kind of just at the corner of the box, looking at the goal as Roof is heading it in. <laughs> Nobody in this team has a clue what they're doing. Not a clue what they're doing. And if they do, they're not interested in delivering. You know what, Stephen? What it's such a flippant throw. It's what you're saying is such a flippant throwaway comment, right? Nobody in this team has a clue what they're doing. But, but I don't think you're wrong. No, <laughs> it's a it's it's a common insult to say he doesn't have a clue what he's doing. I honestly think a lot of the time in these situations, our players genuinely have no idea what they're supposed to be doing, who they're supposed to be picking up, who they're supposed to be watching. And then, I know, I know it's a late run, but the, the, the headers know that far away for Scott Bain. Again, it's not that far away for Scott Bain. It's a header for the six yards, it's about eight yards out, more or less straight at Scott Bain. And he manages to sort of make himself smaller again. I'm not saying Bain should have saved it, but what I'm saying is, I'm running out of places in these games where I can say I've been pulled off a save for us there. Yeah. Well, Scott Bain perfectly embodies Celtic at the moment. Celtic are uniquely capable at the moment of being bad while not looking all that bad. So if you know what I mean, like, see when you watch these games at the moment, yes, they took an absolute pump in there. But the previous couple of games, we've not won in three now. See if you watch the games, you're thinking, <laughs> oh, Celtic, Celtic aren't that bad. They haven't been that bad, but we've still managed to be bad. So they're not yeah. performing badly. It's just they are. So that they're uniquely able to look slightly more polished than the the results suggest. Ben's kind of the same. He doesn't look bad. He never looks massively. He's, he never like throws it in his own net. But he's still bad. He's still not a good goalkeeper. Well, he you could look at every goal he's involved in and think probably wasn't entirely his fault, but he could have done better. That's Celtic. That, yep. That's Scott Bain is Celtic. And yeah, yeah, James, see what you were saying about how like, it's dead easy to just say, oh, none of this team have got a clue what they're doing. Watch that goal and tell us we're wrong. The, the evidence is right there. No one looks like they have a clue what they're supposed to be doing. They all just look like footballers who have a vague notion of where they're supposed to stand to look like mm -hmm. they're in a formation. But that's it. They have no idea, no idea what to do inside of that. Kamar Roof just makes a completely unchecked run into the box and nobody even notices not even notices until the ball's in the back of the net. It's not like somebody was behind him pulling his jersey, like try to barge him, try to put him off his run. They just didn't notice. They didn't even spot him. Kamar Roof is a striker. He's not one of the midfielders making a third man run into the box. He's Aye. one of their strikers going in there and not picked up. And when that goal went in, I really, really did fear the worst because there was so much time left in <laughs> the game. And knowing what this Celtic team are like, I thought we could capitulate here. And it could have been anything Rangers wanted, but th at the same time, you're thinking, right, we need to see a reaction. But I can't really remember. They had the Turnbull chance just after half time, but after the third goal, there was nothing to say that these guys are still fighting for this. There was nobody taking responsibility again. There was nobody who thought, look, he's trying to carve out a chance for us here. And speaking of people that don't have a clue about what they're doing, the substitutions as well, like Ryan Christie and Sorrow coming on, contributed, well, Sorrow did contribute something, but you'd have forgot Ryan Christie was on the pitch, but the bringing Mikey Johnson on up front for Odson Edward at 3-1, like, what was the point in that? I, I, what was the thinking in it? It, it was just another wee I, guy we put point? on the pitch, another wee guy to get bullied out there with Greg Taylor, John Joe Kennedy, Stephen Welsh, just a team of wee guys that get absolutely bullied off bigger boys yesterday and oh, I'm just glad it was only four to be honest that was really 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 interesting to me the subs I know that obviously he wasn't having a particularly good game odds in Edward but the solo for Brown Rum is a no brainer that had yeah, to happen should have been right? done early half time at yeah, least yeah should have been done but 
the Mikey Johnson for Edward when there's two strikers on the bench? I would love to know the thing behind that one, Stephen. Well, the, the, the fact is they're just not trusted. Griffiths and Ayeti must be in worse nicks than we imagine. Yeah, because like, everyone yeah, that's that, maybe it. Aye. Even us, Jerry, you, you were saying you may as well just play Griffiths just now, right? And I, I disagreed at the time, but ultimately I've stopped caring. You, you, you could just play Griffiths, and I, I would be totally against it because there's nothing left to play for. But the what I'm left to believe with the fact that they played no part in that yesterday at all, they must be in an absolutely terrible nick, Ayeti and Griffiths. Why Ayeti isn't playing at all is beyond me, but he must be he must be rotten. It must be absolutely either terrible or brutally unfit at this stage of the season. Sorry, Stephen, see if it's the unfit thing between the two of them, if that's why. Mikey Johnson's been out since last March, came back in <laughs> January for a game or two and hasn't played since then and he's thought of a in better condition than Lee Griffiths or Albina Yeti to come on in a game like that because it's 10 men they're going to need to do running I probably thought I can't put them on because they can't do that jo Johnson's still young though he's not had a beating out of him he's still got that natural youth uh, fitness yeah. he's he gets out of, he gets out of bed after a bevy session he's absolutely fine he's still got flat stomach and all that he's still at that age but the rest of them Griffiths and Yeti are just piling the beef on just, you want to talk, just, you want to talk about just loving it you want to talk about age? Let's talk about Jermaine Defoe, who must be... <laughs> look, I've not looked this up, right? And there's no... I'm not being funny, but he's 38, Jermaine Defoe, isn't he? He Somewhere. must be the... Old, he must be one of the oldest professional footballers in the UK. Can you think of someone that's older than Jermaine Defoe? Yeah, outfield, it, it must be, aye. It must be. Yeah, I mean, it might be one of the oldest professional footballers in Europe, playing at any sort of level, in the top five leagues, I think. Zlatan's obviously older at Milan. He's yeah. 39. I think Rodrigo Palacios playing for Bologna with Aaron Hickey. He's, he's got on a bit, but... Palacios, he's still so. gone. Meant he scored against Celtic back mm -hmm. in the day. He, he was the guy with that wee horrible off-centre rat ponytail thing sticking out the side of his head. Biggie G. He's, ah, he's, yeah. he's, still, he's still kicking a ball. Bring he, a ball. He outpaced Stephen Welsh. He <laughs> turned Stephen Welsh inside out. Stephen Welsh got turned inside out by somebody old enough to be his dad. Right. Quite literally. And, and <laughs> he's... Look, I'm not wanting to throw the young guy under the bus, but are we playing him? Is this just another I can't be bothered? We brought him back for loan... We've played him a couple of games. We've given him the new contract. Fair enough. But he's he's meant to be anticipating. Like, Melly, you, when you, in that position, he's supposed to be up. He's supposed to be on his toes. He's supposed to be lively. He's supposed to be anticipating the change of direction for the striker. He just leaves him. He, he, first of all, Jermaine Defoe almost beats him in a foot race. And then, because he's struggling to get back into position to pick up Jermaine Defoe, he just moves the ball, changes direction. Stephen Welsh ends up on his ass, and the ball's in the back of the net. 4-1 at this point. And by the way, that was started by a misplaced pass from Ismail Asoro, which honestly, 12-yard pass, 14-yard pass, max, and he Plenty misplaced it in front, of our own, in front of our own box, more or less. In the red-hot danger zone, he plays a, almost a square pass, 14 yards and misses it. Shambles. Yeah, as soon as Defoe came on, it was, I hadn't seen, hadn't seen him for a while, and Ian Crocker said, oh, he's never scored in this derby, he doesn't, he's not got a good record in derbies, and I thought, well, that's that written in the stars then, isn't it? Because yeah. this is the perfect opportunity because this team's all over the place. And look, Stephen Welsh, he's done all right, but that's how low the standards have set because he's done all right. He's an all right player, but that's not good enough for Celtic. That's not good enough to be playing week in, week out for Celtic. And Defoe, while he nearly outpaced him, he did get back in, but the basics of defending are... You stand up and he's flying about everywhere. Again with Celtic, we've seen it so many times this season. It was last-ditch panic because nobody knows what they're meant to be doing in these situations. And Defoe just 
used his experience. I mean, it was pathetic to see and just rolled it into the net. And again, you're going, do you know what? That That's it. That's 4-1. That's the pumping we deserve because we have been absolutely shambolic all over the pitch. Well, see the four. He's been a bit part player for Rangers quite a yeah. bit this season. I've no needed them because they've got Morelos and Roof, who've both they've not exactly like, they've not scored twenty goals each or anything like that, but they've been fairly consistent scorers and they've had goals from everywhere. But the four kind of has with that goal, he has become a symbol of this season for Celtic as well because there's a guy, thirty eight years old, nothing really left to prove in the game. He's probably got more money than he could ever spend. He, he played at the top level for a very very long time. Had a couple of big moves in him. That's probably not his motivation, but a couple of years ago he decided to change his diet so he could prolong his career just because, you know, this is this is what he does. He's a footballer, he loves scoring goals. He's got his first ever Glasgow Derby goal there. Meanwhile, we've got wee Griff who just needs a run of games to get fit and all that and hasn't been fit for a single minute this entire season. And I know I, this is a hacky comparison, right? I don't mean to have a go at Griff is because he didn't play in this game, but ultimately the reason he didn't play in this game is, is exactly why... I'm talking about this kind of thing, but it just shows you the bloated, complacent attitude that Celtic are. Celtic, I know I've just said Celtic are Scott Bain, but Celtic are Lee Griffiths and Rangers are Jermaine Defoe. That, that's the difference here. It's the, a total difference. We are fat and sweaty and complacent and Rangers have changed a few things up and, <laughs> and done the right things, made the right decisions and got the success out of it. Willie Caballero, I just had a look while you were talking. Willie Caballero is 39 years old. He is older than Jermaine Defoe. Uh, Phil Yagelka. Yeah, he's a keeper. Phil, Phil Yagelka is three weeks older than Jermaine Defoe. But apart right. from that, Jermaine Defoe is the oldest, the second oldest professional footballer in the UK. And just continuing on from what Stephen said, Jermaine Defoe, what is he, 38? Stephen yeah. Davis, 36, finished that game for Rangers. Stephen Davis strolled that game. Why? Because Rangers have got a position for him and they've got players around him that allows it to work. He was great in that game. It's horrible to say, but he just looked like a guy at a level above. Why Why have Celtic got themselves into this position where Scott Brown is looking so bad? Because they don't have a plan to work around him. They just think, oh, it's Bruni, he's got, he's got that leadership and all that. Celtic could have changed their tactics this season. They could have gotten players and played it smart and thought, right, if Scott Brown's going to play, we'll have two in front of him with plenty of legs. But we don't do that. We don't. And it just makes Scott Brown, Brown look worse. And Stephen Davis just strolled through that game yesterday as if it was nothing. The guy's 36. Mm. It can be done, but Celtic have done it the wrong way and this is what we get. I don't even think Stephen Davis had that uh, good a game yesterday. It was just, again, Celtic's shape just that allowed him to sit there and dictate play. 47 is the number, by the way, Stephen, if you were wondering how many professional goals Jermaine Defoe had scored whilst Stephen Welsh was still a fetus. <laughs> uh, it was it was, it was, was 47. Um, I know we're joking about the age of these guys and Honestly, Jermaine Defoe, you're right, he's no, he's no set the header alight for Rangers, but he comes on, our defence is set up poorly, poor midfielder plays a terrible pass, we've got a young boy at the centre of defence that shouldn't be there, and a keeper that can't save it, light work. Stephen Davis, all the space and time in the world he needs to sit there and ping balls like Pirlo, light work. It's, we're just making light work for it, yeah. and it's shocking. It was like our set-up and formation was exactly what Rangers needed, and we the reason we're playing this you know, I said this on the live preview show, we came up with the, the diamond and two up front because we struggled in our original formation against this Rangers team. And the Hail Mary pass, the Hail Mary throw, the last pitch that we needed to rescue, not rescue anything actually, just to save ourselves a bit of embarrassment, 
was returning to the old formation that we couldn't get any joy against, that we binned because we couldn't get joy against Rangers, and bringing back James Forrest. That was the that was the Hail Mary. Uh, James Forrest, I mean, I, I don't know how fit he is, but we'd speculated a wee bit on the, the live preview show that we did that, you know, could he just be thrown in there as a bit of a bit of a decoy, give them something to think about? Is it going to be like Harry Kane in the Champions League final a couple of years ago where he just get pitched in and he woefully short of fitness? But I, I don't know, because James Forrest just did what he always did against Rangers um, previously. I, people don't really like it. I've copped flack for this before, but I've never really been as enamoured with James Forrest as other people are about him. I think he's a good player. I think he's a very good player at, at times and has been a big game player for Celtic at times. He's, he's scored some big goals in Europe. But against Rangers, never turns up. Absolutely never turns up. Mm. A couple of goals, okay, right, he's got a couple of goals against them in whatever it is, 11, 12 years. But it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Look at look at the way Ryan Kent plays against Celtic. Yeah. When have we ever had that out of James Forrest against Rangers? I mean, even when he was played against Andy Halliday and Miles Bierman and all that, he was never as effective as that. So I don't really mean to have a go at James Forrest here either because I think he's well down the list of problems with the game. Mm -hmm. But I kind of sat back and watched everyone treat James Forrest as this returning hero, as if mm -hmm. he was going to be the difference. He would have been the guy that maybe would have sorted their season out a wee bit and he might have done we'll never know but the problems that Celtic have are not going to be fixed by James Forrest coming back into the team where do Celtic go for here where do Celtic uh, let's have a I mean look at the lineup yesterday how many of those players in that Celtic lineup that played Rangers yesterday would you A want and B expect to play Rangers next time we play them McGregor, McGregor and Turnbull McGregor Turnbull and Forrest that's it no, Forrest. No, we, I honestly think we can improve on James Forrest quite easily. I'm going to need to. I at mean, some point. we we we, we bought, got Paddy Roberts and kept Forrest at the team for a long time. That's the sort of problem we have, isn't it? We could do. We either need to replace Forrest or have somebody to play and give him competition because we can't go into next season. We just won again, but the priorities here. We need eight other players, so do we need nine now that we need to replace yes. James Forrest? So mm -hmm. it's going to have to be worked on priority. And, that's not a priority. Forrest is decent. Look, I know what Stephen means in these games. He doesn't turn up, but I think I read today he was involved in 38 goals last year. That's hard to replace. Those are really, really good numbers for a guy who, yes, maybe he's not brilliant every game, but he's still contributing an awful lot. So Forrest, yes, I would like a replacement. I always thought Paddy Roberts was a better player, which in turn brought out the best out of James Forrest because he knew he wasn't going to play. But with a, the, other, the rest of the players, the only one you're hoping to maybe keep is possibly El Yanusi, but even then, the rest of them, they're not all going to go, but you wouldn't be bothered if they did. Wouldn't be bothered at all. Well, I feel like there's, there's kind of two questions at play there because, Jamie, you're talking specifically about the next game against Rangers. James Forrest, you're both right, Melly, you're right about James Forrest's numbers and we're going to need that. We're going to need to keep James Forrest because he is involved in a lot of goals. I think domestically he can be, and it might sound very harsh, but I think he can be a bit of a flat track bully. Fair, yeah, that said, well, yeah, yeah, look, that's fine. We, we're going to need those. We need I mean, most of our games against uh, against these opposition, and James Forrest is as good as any at, at capitalising that and getting his points, getting his goals. But against Rangers, he's just, I don't know. He's just he's just never there. He just never turns in the level of performance that we see elsewhere. It's not likely to get any better at his age, as we mentioned a couple of times. So. I don't know. I'd, I don't want to come across here like I'm throwing James Forrest under the bus because, again, as I said, well, well down the list of problems and I would keep him. Of course I would. 
But I'm not turning to him as if he's some kind of hero that's going to fix us against Rangers the next time because, frankly, the evidence just isn't there for it. So, so who would you keep though? Because I mean, I think we can accept that. Just accept that I or Edward and Elianus are yeah. probably all gone. You're no starting Kenny. He's gone. Welsh, we can improve on. Greg Taylor, we can improve on. Right. Brown's gone. McGregor and Turnbull can stay. Forrest might be able to be improved on, but you're potentially looking at only two players. I, I'm trying not to be ridiculous about it because, again, it's very easy to come on here furious the day after the game and say, nah, get rid of all of them. But in all honesty, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care if any yeah. of them stayed. The, the obvious ones are McGregor and Turnbull, but McGregor, the season McGregor's had dreadful. Is he going to get better now as well? Don't know. Aye. He's in I, his I peak years. I, I would definitely give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I, aye, I think aye. I think he's a, he's, a, he's a given and you would expect Turnbull to get better. But it's aye, just... definitely. Turnbull's got work to do though I think yeah, I think yeah, Turnbull's got a lot of work to do I don't think he's quite the it's unfortunate with him I'm not willing to do it with him yet and I'm not willing to do it with Stephen Welsh I think Stephen Welsh is limited and he's only playing because he's not Shane Duffy but I'm still not turning Here. the gun on him yet because I don't Duffy? think he deserves it I don't know go on I, I've <laughs> literally not seen nor heard no. of Shane Duffy for weeks nah he's not been in the squad I, recently I don't think I not. don't even think I've seen him in any of the Celtic TV training videos the odd occasion that they've no. been up I don't know if he no. I have no idea if Shane Duffy's still at the club or not which is no, a biz- which is a bizarre it. state of affairs, but he's another one we can completely forget about. With the the Turnbull f- thing, just to finish oh. on that, so the Turnbull thing that I think I'm, I, I sympathise with him because he's gone from not playing at all to playing every single game because he came in and looked good, and that's all we've got to cling on to this season. If somebody comes in and looks good, you're like, whoa, brilliant! We've got we've got a hero here, and he's played ever since, and his level of performance has dropped off a good bit, as is going to happen with a player of that age and relative inexperience mm. so he's got a lot of work to do of course I would keep him around I think he's a, a cracking player and will only get better but I do have a wee reservation about how he's playing just now and how consistent he's likely to be going forward because we've basically just chucked all our eggs at him just, yeah. just all the eggs in the Turnbull basket on you go change the game son and he's not capable of doing see, that the yet the problem I've got is kind of see if you walk into a football team that's performing badly and obviously David Turnbull's a young player so I'm not expecting him to do this but there's this kind of notion amongst the Celtic fans uh, that oh, well, how can X be expected to perform well when the whole team's performing badly well I could maybe flip that argument in its head and go well there's an opportunity for somebody to stand out if, well, that's, if you, that's kind of what's happened to Turnbull isn't yeah. it he's, he stood out at the start and it's kind of dipped off as well well what, what I don't mean accidentally what I mean is somebody to walk into that changing room and go there's a there's a there's a chance here for me to make a right good impression. There's a chance here for me to look like the top dog in this team. And like no chance for like, somebody to be king shit of fuck mountain in the Celtic Park dressing room. Somebody walks in there and goes, I'm king shit of fuck mountain. Right? <laughs> but nobody's really doing that. It's just, well, I think I think that's part of the problem, is it? Because there's nobody good enough to do that. Turnbull's come in mm-hmm. and looked good. Stephen Welsh has come in and not looked as bad as the rest of them, which has in turn made him look good. But if there was somebody in there who was good enough to go in there and look good in this team, they'd be playing in the team anyway because they would be good enough and we simply just don't have the players for it. I suppose what I'm saying in other words is we're just being let down by our big players. We're being let down by yeah. the McGregor's the early in the season, the Edward Scott Brown might not be playing well, but Callum McGregor should be... Elian, Edward's got two he's probably looking at the two no-hopers that we've signed the strikers and going I don't even need to try the competition it's not that hard but that's not what I want and Elian Usia may be being unfair because he's he's really stepped up and just on Stephen Welsh by the way can I just like forget Stephen Welsh I don't want Stephen Welsh as a mainstay of Celtic's centre half here no. next season just forget no. about him like, no forget about him in terms of just you know send him out on loan or something and never play him again but I just I, 
I don't want Stephen Welsh to be the answer to the centre centre defence question. That wouldn't make no. me happy. Where uh, where does Celtic go for here? Where is this manager? When does the rebuild begin? Is there a rebuild? Um, we could have this conversation every week. Where's Eddie? <laughs> but it is, you know, it was nearly three weeks ago the talk that the Eddie Howe deal was nearly done, and we've had our conversations in this podcast about how long things are taking. But with every single week that passes, surely things become a bit more critical. Surely. I mean, the only thing I can guess is that the club are taking their time because they don't want to announce anything until Rangers win the league. And then you wipe that story off the back pages and that's a PR win for you, potentially. But as a fan, this is the worst that's been, certainly as far as I can remember, this is worse than Mowbray for me. The, oh. the, this is much worse than Tony Mowbray's Celtic team. This, the lack, it's Tony Mowbray's team sort of had a few death rolls towards the end of its time, you know, and we had Robbie Keane trying his best to drag us out of the mire here, but... Yeah, this... and Lennon came in and improved and got the wins what they were in the last seven games or so under Lennon, so, mm. yeah, that, but what we spoke about last week when I said I was sort of calm on it, this was the last big game, the last one to avoid humiliation and, and we failed to do it, so see now that Rangers aren't in the cup final and they're not going to win that, this is basically the season over, so if yeah. you're going to make an announcement, it has to be within the next week to get Celtic and the yeah. fans back on board because we spoke about apathy last week. There was people turning that off early. There was people not watching that. And that's that's a scary prospect. I know it's annoying when the Huns are coming out now, but we haven't heard from them for a long time. But you don't want fans just to be tuning in to Celtic when they're winning. You need to keep the fans on board and Celtic have to get a move on now. All the excuses are gone now. The season's pretty much done. There's two games left of this god-awful season that really mean nothing. So if you've got your announcement, which is meant to be tomorrow, Tuesday as we speak, it has to be soon. It has to be within the next week because there's not a lot of time now because that's all the biggies out the way and there's you need to make something happen now, something big. Where does Celtic go from here? It's unclear uh, it, because I'd be tempted to say we can't go any further down, but every time I say that, they do. Yeah. They find hitherto unseen levels of pishness every time I say that. But now that the season's points, almost over, <laughs> so, um, I still believe Celtic are going to be fine. I think they're going to be fine, but I am strapping myself in, lads. I'm strapping myself in for it to be very much in the middle of expectations. I mean, it could be an overnight success getting a new manager in, but looking at the state as the I don't know if that's the case. So I don't think it's going to be immediate and I don't think it's going to be long term. I think we might be in for a bumpy ride at first, but I would just urge a bit of patience on that. I'm I'm doing that to myself. I'm, as I no say, I'm strapping in. I what, am sorry? sans patience here. <laughs> sans patience, I know. Well, I'm trying to renew. I'm trying to replenish my patience because I was out of it. I'm here's trying to put myself in the I've picture got, the next See if Celtic come out the morning and go, here's a new manager, Eddie Howe. I'll be going, and what else? Because <laughs> we're, be we're we are beyond new Aye. manager territory here. Yeah. But I'm, and here's a new manager, Eddie Howe. Here's a director of football. Here's a new first team coach. Here's a new scouting department. We're having an overhaul of the analytics department. And by the way, Dermot's written a big fat check for 50 million quid. That's what I want. That's what I want. Petrol station flowers are not going to cut it. No, absolutely not. The reason I'm kind of talking myself into having a bit of patience is that it might be bumpy at first and I just, we need to let go now because that successful period is over. It is, yeah. it is no, stone dead. Wrong, it is, it, it is so you far cannot over. let go of this because the, the, it, I'm, I'm, not being, I'm not being you can't let right. go of this. What I mean is the demands that we place on the club as fans 
are what drives the club forward. See the minute we oh, go, yeah, yeah. that's all behind us. We need to move on for that. No, no. Stay angry. Stay pissed off. Yeah, let me be clear. I, I meant that that team, that team is dead, right? The, yes. the team is over okay. and it needs broken up and it needs obliterated and we need to move on from it because they're still it's still hanging over us the the 10 in a row and the successful team is still the ghost at the feast that is still hanging over us and I know I'm not criticising it because it is natural but everyone who says we could we should have kept Lustig we should have kept Hayes we should have kept Scott Sinclair we should have kept Jozo no we, we can't survive without Scott Brown should have kept all these guys let's just Let's just cut it. Let's just set it on fire and move on from it because there's a reason that these guys have ended up where they are. And in Jozo's case, nowhere. He doesn't yeah, have a club. No club. Let's just stop that and let's just try and focus on the future because it's all we've got. Yeah. There's no sense in talking about these guys. There's a reason they're all Aberdeen and Preston North End. How do you and, think Aberdeen fans feel, by the way, about seeing Scott Brown <laughs> yeah. coming? I mean, what is he going to do for Aberdeen, genuinely? Uh, what is, he, what, Scott, what is he going to do for Aberdeen? I don't, maybe, I mean, he may hardly play. And, mm. you know, there's a lot to be said for having characters in the dressing room and maybe Aberdeen could, well, certainly well benefit from somebody of Scott Brown's experience and personality and professionalism and all that sort of stuff. But as an on-the-pitch force, I've no idea what, what Aberdeen are really, are really thinking on that one. No. Two games left of the season. A um, couple more flagships to go. By the time we record the flagship next Monday, do you think Celtic will have a new manager then, Melly? Yes. You do. Interesting. Stephen, do you think Celtic will have a new manager by the next flagship podcast? They have to. It's it doesn't time. have to be in the dugout, doesn't it? Not? No, we no, just no. need an announcement. You know what? It doesn't even have to be an announcement. Do you know what I would settle for? Just to bring the temperatures down a wee bit, I would settle for a Stephen McGowan leak. A, a, mm, or a right, leak, yeah. a newspaper leak to say no, that the mate, deal's done. No, 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 this, this is what Celtic are doing to you again. They're making you lower that bar again just to be disappointed. No, 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 no. What I'm Demand saying is on the ground, there is no bar. The bar no, no, the there is no ground. No, no, what I'm, saying is, what I'm saying is, I don't want people to be confused. From Celtic, what I require is the new manager, new director of football, the £50 million transfer kitty. I demand all that from Celtic for the rebuild next season. That's what's required. But in the next week, I would settle for a newspaper exclusive that Eddie Howe has, the deal's done, a five-year deal, and he's going to start work at the 1st of June. Well, I've, it doesn't have to be... Stop nitpicking Melly over the, <laughs> the throwaway point I'm trying to make in order to wrap up the podcast, okay? Make me double back on myself. Wait, Stephen, I see you've got your hand up. Would you like to say something before we before we wrap up? <laughs> yeah, I was I was just thinking there, we're, we're making an awful lot of the potential announcements coming have you seen that meme that's doing the rounds just now of the Ikea? And it's like something along the lines of something interesting is behind this curtain, something yes. exciting is behind this curtain, whatever it is, and someone looks behind it and it's a skip. <laughs> All I'm saying is, big announcement coming, Stephen Presley. <laughs> <laughs> we don't even have the curtain up saying there's a big announcement coming. We just don't have, we that uh, that's what we don't have. So look, I, I would just please Celtic, do something, do Aye. something, because this is the worst that's ever been. No, the worst that's during this podcast. Maybe, you know, remember the 90s, but I'm not interested. I was a, a bambino in the 90s, more or less. I barely remember the 90s. I was watching Turtles in the 90s, right? <laughs> so don't talk to me about the 90s. This is beyond Mowbray. This is John Barnes' level of performance we are seeing for this team. And enough, truly is enough. Melly, God, would you I like... wish I was in a Turtles podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Melly, would you like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Stephen, would you like to say goodbye? Yes, I would. Goodbye. Would you like to bunga, did or something? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, and goodbye for me. Thank you for listening. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.